You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is very late on February 11th, 2021. My name is Phil Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. Going to close out the week with a couple of special podcasts for you. Um, the Orlando Magic are getting set to take on the Golden State Warriors tonight at 10. By the time you listen to this, that game may already have happened. I will recap that episode on an episode of Locked on Magic tomorrow that will come out some point in the afternoon. I do want to give this some space to breathe. But we had our good pal Stuart Hodge come on uh, and kind of recap the season and where this team's about to go. Um, answering a lot of the questions that I know a lot of you have had for me. A lot of questions that people have criticized some of my answers for. So I come clean a little bit. Usually it takes someone else coaxing some emotion and out of me a little bit. But I come clean, clean a little bit with my thoughts on the Orlando Magic, where this season is going, what they're trying to do, and what happens next. Also, Mo Bamba. That should get all the traffic that you want. We will get to all that coming up in just a moment. But first, today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Tell them Locked On sent you. And don't forget as well to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Whether it's the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there is a Locked On Podcast for you. Search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Before we get into the conversation that I had with Stuart Hodge, um, which who's been on the show several times, kind of kind of gets a fresh voice, uh, turns the tables on me a little bit, asks me some questions about the team. I do want to acknowledge that the game against the Golden State Warriors is happening. I am recording this, again, super duper late, so I apologize for that. Um, I'm recording this about four hours before tip-off. At 10 o'clock, I'll be on the call with Steve Clifford at 8.30 before the game, as well as covering the game uh, from remotely from Orlando. I'm not in San Francisco. Um, coming up here uh, later on tonight, so be sure to follow orlandomagicdaily.com and follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily uh, for complete reactions during the game. But I do want to note uh, a couple things before we get through get past this game. First, um, the Orlando Magic are going to have to play some incredible defense, obviously, on Stephen Curry, the Warriors. Um, not the same offensive juggernaut they were, but Stephen Curry is playing some incredible basketball right now, uh, averaging around 26 points per game, shooting 51% from beyond the arc on with nearly six three-pointers per game. Um, just like Nikola Vucevic is carrying essentially the entire load for the Orlando Magic, Stephen Curry is carrying the entire load for the Golden State Warriors. It has been... Incredible watching him play, and obviously, um, Stephen Curry is a little bit better than Nikola Vucevic, so he can actually do it. It's sort of like, you know, I would, I would describe the Stephen Curry team as some of those uh, early stage Tracy McGrady teams where T Mac's individual brilliance turns a, a team that, you know, has some deficiencies, has some talent, but has some deficiencies and makes them into a playoff caliber team. And of course, Stephen Curry is just incredible. It's going to be a lot of fun watching him play. Um, tonight, as well as next Friday, when the Warriors come to the Amway Center, um, it, this is this is a, um, a a really tough matchup. The Magic are not a great three point shooting team. They're about average as far as three point field goals attempted um, per game, as well as three point field goal percent, percentage allowed. They're they're right in the middle of the pack, um, but they do tend to give up a lot of open three pointers. I actually did the math: twenty one of the Magic's thirty eight. Um, I believe it's thirty twenty one of like 35, 36 three point attempts allowed per game are open 
considered open by the NBA.com tracking stats. Um, and obviously, if you're giving up open threes to Stephen Curry, he is going to make them, make a ton of them. Uh, the big reason why the Magic lost the game to the Portland Trailblazers, and yes, Portland is a weird team that shoots a lot of threes, almost exclusively threes. Um, the Magic gave up 18 for 37 shooting from beyond the arc. That is a huge reason why the Magic fell behind and were unable to get back into that game. Gary Trent hitting those threes early. Damon Lillard hitting those threes in, th- in the third really kept the Magic at bay. Orlando is coming into this game uh, with a fair amount of injuries. Cole Anthony is still listed as questionable at time of press here. Um, Evan Fournier and Michael Carter-Williams are both upgraded to questionable. And actually, since uh, it is past 5.30, let me go check the 5.30 injury report. Um, and Alfred Camino also listed as questionable as of the 1.30 report as I stall to bring up the team injury reports uh, for today's game to get you the latest information. The good news is that guys do seem to be getting healthier. The good news is that um, Cole Anthony, they're all still listed as questionable, so I'm not lying to you there. Um, the good news is... Um, all those guys uh, seem to be making progress. Cole Anthony's injury was determined to be muscular and not structural, so it's just about the, st- the shoulder strain getting healthier. Um, Alfred Camini was sort of on injury management. Uh, you know, he felt some hamstring tightness. So, you know, again, I don't think it's that they rushed him back too soon. It's just that, you know, again, just playing at NBA speed is very, very, very difficult. Um, and so I think that... I think that that had a lot to do with it, and so maybe Aminu did come back a little too soon or a little bit before he was ready to, to play uh, or something happened, but again, they're going to be very careful with him. Um, but seeing Michael Carter-Williams and Evan Fournier both upgraded, it leaves the possibility that they will play tonight. Um, again, we're, I'm recording this at about 6 o'clock, so about four hours until tip-off, um, so I don't want to jump the gun and say, oh, they'll definitely play or not. Regardless of any of that, it is going to be a tough task defending Stephen Curry. Um, the Magic are down a lot of players at point guard. I think they'd probably end up putting James Ennis on Curry anyway, um, but then you got to deal with uh, Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, and, and I think probably Gary Clark will get the call on Oubre. Um, again, Gary Clark. There's a lot to say about Gary Clark, which I think we'll get into next week as well. Um, but... but um, I, 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 the Magic were trusting Cole Anthony to do a lot more. He got he got he got to the call on Damian Lillard the other night, and, and I didn't think did, did a terrible job early on in the game uh, until he had to leave with the injury. Um, the bottom line is this: the Magic have to defend the three point line well because this is going to be a, a battle of stars. Um, as well as Stephen Curry is playing, Nikola Vucevic is playing really well in his last ten games too. Twenty three points per game, almost twelve rebounds per game in his last ten games. That includes, of course, the 43-point effort, the career-high effort, as well as a really impressive 27-point performance uh, la- uh, in the last outing Tuesday against Portland Trailblazers, where, yeah, he had to play the entire fourth quarter. This this is going to be a game where Vucevic is going to be able to feast on the inside again. Uh, the, the Warriors go small. They don't have a lot of size. You know, James Wiseman is um, still out with the injury, I believe. Yeah, he's still out with a, with a left wrist sprain. Um, they don't have a lot of size to deal with him. Um, and so uh, Vucevic is going to have to be the rock inside. It would not surprise me if Orlando sends the ball to him at every turn, and I don't care if Draymond Green is guarding him. Nikola Vucevic needs to be touching the ball at every turn, and, and Vucevic, if Vucevic could beat Draymond Green, which, again, not a guarantee because Draymond Green's a very good defender, um, the Magic have a chance to win here or have a chance to create some offensive movement and offensive energy. The bottom line is this. The Magic's margin for error is still very, 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 very small. They played a good game Tuesday. You know, the effort was there. The energy was there. Holding the Portland Trailblazers, I know that Portland made a lot of threes. Holding them to 106 points is a victory. That should be enough to win. But Orlando only scored 97. They couldn't get shots to fall, especially early. And again, Nikola Vucevic did just about all he could, and he still shot only 10 for 21 from the field. Orlando is going to need to shoot well. 
Again, it's the simple stuff, as always, um, to have a chance to win. But with Nikola Vucevic anchoring the team, sure, I- I'll give the Magic a fair chance. Now, are, do you count on Nikola Vucevic being able to beat Draymond Green more than you count on Stephen Curry to beat, say, Frank Mason? That's the game here. Tip-off for the Orlando Magic is at 10 o'clock tonight. Again, very shortly after this podcast came, comes out. We'll have a complete recap of that pot, of that game on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Plus, don't forget the Magic play the Sacramento Kings on Friday night at 10 as part of this back-to-back. The West Coast trip continues. Before we get to our conversation with Stuart, though, let me tell you a little bit more about rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate, so quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why? Spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Don't forget... Don't forget to check out this special new podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. You do not want to miss this incredible conversation. And we're now joined by our pal Stuart Hodge from Sky Sports here to give us a, a different perspective on magic and, and maybe put me a little bit in the hot seat. I know a lot of people want to do that. So Stuart, you're, you're getting an opportunity that a lot of people right now want to get. So uh, give me your worst, but first, uh, how you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad, man. I should say just for clarity, um, I'm a freelancer for Sky Sports. I do. Gotcha. I, I work for loads of different sports companies and cover hoops, cover football, soccer, whatever, whatever you pay me to do, I will cover. I was writing about um, dementia screening technology today. So do you know what? If you pay the bucks, then I will do that's, the work. That's the life of a reporter. I, I, it's not this glamorous life of free food and free tickets to sporting events. It is you pay me and I will probably write about it. Yeah. Also, that just means we're all mercenaries, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Which brings us on to your point about um, me being able to to just thrust things at you and and ask questions. And I do appreciate the the position of being able to do that. And I did notice you were actually with our friends Orlando Magic UK recently appeared on their podcast. So um, I think the tie in between the Magic and the Magic's UK fan base, it seems that the links are getting ever stronger, man. And we started all many moons ago. It is. I uh, One of the things that I've been like, and this is just a side before we get into serious stuff about the magic. Um, one of the things that I've been really like 
sur- surprised, not surprised by, but like really less pleasantly welcomed was just how international the Magic fan base is. Um, mm-hmm. Ever since I started covering the Magic back, you know, I, I started really getting serious into Magic Twitter probably in 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Um, and it, it really always amazed me how far the reach of Magic fandom is. I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to those guys that are led in Magic UK uh, several times. Um, you know, they've all kind of told me their story about how they became Magic fans. I've met Magic fans that uh, became Magic fans because of Shaq back in the Shaq and Penny days when the Magic made their trip to the UK uh, and to London in 1992. Two, I want to say when Shaq, Shaq and Penny's rookie year, I think it was just Shaq's, I forget. I think it was just Shaq's rookie. Year. I don't think Penny was on that trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how they're, how lifelong magic fans were made. And, and I know a lot of fans were really excited when the magic made the trip to London to play the Raptors. Um, yep. And, and it's, it, it's been really, really fun to, to interact with magic fans internationally. I know that I know I do look at the locked on magic, uh, listener of uh, you know, metrics a little bit uh, and i do see that that we have international reach and so you know we, we seem like we're in a small corner of the world here in central florida um but the magic really do have international appeal and and, and i think that's 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 awesome to see from such a, a team with a relatively small market to come from. yeah totally I, I think as well i mean a big part of that is obviously the disneyland thing i, I think i've told oh, yeah, this sure, on sure. on on your podcast before but um the, the way that i got into it was playing the sega mega drive and the fact that center was the first position that displayed, Shaq was the best center in the game. And also the court was a bit different, even with the limited graphics capacity of a 16-bit console. The the, the court of the, the like the Amway Center as it is now was was that bit different. And that um that, that always intrigued me, like at the time. And I was only six years old, by the way, when NBA Live 95 came out. So since then it was Sort of basketball went out my life for a bit and then it came back. And obviously I was going to stay a magic fan because once you're a magic fan, sadly at the moment, once, there's once no we going got back. you, once we got you, once we got those hooks in you, you don't escape. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And uh, at the moment, it's uh, it's not the most pleasurable place to be, but we'll we'll get into that in a bit more detail. So first question I want to ask you is, and this is the this is the big one that everyone seems to be debating, is tank or don't tank. Well, you know, I, I, this, I'm putting my Jeff Waltman and I realized that that whole, like the whole like oh, side no, that I just gave is, is very much the way Jeff Waltman would answer things. But um, I, this is, this is really how I approach things. Um, if you're bad, you don't need help being bad. Um, you know, you don't need to do much to be a bad team in this league. And, you know, all the statistics, everything is saying that this magic team is bad. Um, I, I think, there, as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, I'm planning to release this Thursday before the game against the Golden State Warriors. Um, but as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the Magic, I think, are 27th, 26th in the league in net rating. Uh, and net rating, for those that don't know, because um, uh, I, I tend to throw these, these terms around that I think are generally known but are not generally known. Net rating is essentially uh, points per 100 possessions minus points allowed per 100 possessions. It, it essentially is point differential but takes away – um, any differences in, in how fast teams play or how many possessions they have in, in yeah. the course of a game. Um, so just, it, it puts everyone on a level playing field and, you know, among the analytics community or, you know, kind of just basic analytics community um, this is usually a better signal of whether a team is good or not. Uh, when you're comparing teams, teams yep. might have some fluctuations in record. You know, certainly I think the magic are playing better than, or have the record that's better than how they're playing. Um, 
but this is generally this is generally how you kind of rank order teams more effectively um so the magic are playing like one of the worst teams in the league um since markel fultz's injury actually they have the worst net rating in the league by almost four four points per one possessions um they're the only team in the league since january 7th 2021 which is the day after fultz's injury they're the only team in the league since then i believe that has a net rating of worse than 10 points per 100 possessions. So to say the least, this this team is playing really, really poorly. They're playing really bad. Um, And and there's no other way to say it. I mean, I think Steve Clifford often says it this way too. At the end of the day, we just got to play better. Um, And and that's that's absolutely 100% true. It's, it's, it's this team has some talent issues, no doubt. And, 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 and I, I do acknowledge that. And the injuries have really gutted this team. But, you know, if the Magic played better, yeah, yeah, they'd have, they'd be more competitive. They'd have a chance, chance at winning some of these games. Um, I, I've kind of fallen back into the approach that I had during uh, the, the rebuilding and during the interminable rebuilding that, that happened during the Rob <laughs> Hennigan era. Um, my, my approach has always been when you have a chance to win a game, you have to win it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. when those chances come, when you play well enough to win, get the wins. Um, you know, you don't stop trying to win. Whether this team is going to be able to get wins is a completely different question. Right now, certainly it's not looking like they're going to. The margin for error is just so insanely small. Like, it, like, like I, I, I mean, I, I mentioned this, I think, on the podcast after Tuesday's game on Wednesday. Um the Magic played well on Tuesday against the Blazers. Um, yeah. they, they Holding the Blazers to 106 points, that is a really good offensive team. They did a really good job. It wasn't enough. They still got beat, you know, and, and Portland hits a ton of threes and the Magic got off to a really slow start in that game, and that's probably why they lost and they missed a ton of free throws. There's a lot of things that you can point to that you can say the Magic need to do X, Y, and Z better. Um, but when you play well like that, like Magic went all in for that win. Uh, and I think it's still okay to be disappointed in losing those kinds of games. But the, the, the reality is this team is probably not going to win a lot of games and this team's going to struggle to find consistency. And, and as I t- say all the time, the NBA's regular season is about consistency. It's about what you can do every single night without fail. And right now, this Magic team just isn't consistent enough to win games There's on just a regular basis. There. There's just not enough yeah. there. As you said, what we had at the start of the season, right? Obviously, there was the disappointment of the Jonathan Isaac injury um, in the bubble. So what everyone was kind of thinking is, right, let's just see how far we can go this season. And already half an eye on next season anyway. Then Fultz sure. goes down. And at the start of the season, what happened is, for the first time, I was watching an Orlando Magic team in a long time where it just felt like there was structure, especially in the half court. You're looking at the team and he's setting the table and... This, this new thing with top of the arc, Vooch just reining in threes, that dynamic that was beginning to develop, I thought, do you know what? When J.I. comes back, this is going to be awesome. And then body after body just starts going down. And sometimes fate kind of forces your hand to go one way or the other. But there's a few concerns for me. So first one is draft picks. If you look at the draft picks so far that the Magic have made, especially when they've been hired in the lottery under the current administration, I don't know if you can say that they've hit on any of those the way that they should have as of yet. Now, what I would point to is that it's still maybe a bit early to judge them on some of them. But if you look at what Jeff Weltman did at the Raptors, he built that team not so much through the lottery, 
as through some of the free agents that he signed and, and, and different aspects of, of the sort of stewardship that didn't really relate to lottery draft picks themselves. In fact, I don't think there was a lottery pick in that Raptors team which won the championship, many of which he assembled. Yeah, the, only, get- the, only, the, only, the only lottery pick there was DeMar DeRozan, who was picked ninth and then traded to get Kawhi Leonard. So yes, it's, it's largely built off of you know late first-round picks. And, and I agree completely with you. Um, Jeff Wellman has not maximized those late first, early second round picks the way that he should have. That, that, that a team in Orlando's position, like a team in Toronto's position, because Toronto, despite being a larger market, it's Toronto. It's not a sexy market. It's not a market mm-hmm. that free agents are going to go to. They have to convince people to, to be there. And the way they do that is through strong culture, being competitive, and by drafting guys and giving them their first chance and, and making them fall in love with the opportunity. And, and I agree that that... You know, there's the 25th pick uh, in Jonathan Isaac's draft that the Magic traded away for virtually nothing. Um, you know, that, and, and I like Donze Spasechniks in that draft, but, but he hasn't turned into much for Washington. And of course, um, you know, there's still some good guys on the board there. Um, you know, we can argue about Kyle Kuzma all you want, but Kyle Kuzma is an NBA player. Um, the, you know, I think I think Wessowundu was a good pick. Um, I think yeah. that that he was developing really nicely, but for whatever reason, he could not crack the rotation. And I think part of that is, and I, I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, but uh, part of that is both a one D's limitations as a player. And I think another part of that is, you know, the magic's goals shifted a, a ton and, and in a major way um, that I think put, that kind of put uh, Weltman a little bit on the defensive or, or shifted his play in it. And you got to be adaptable. So, you know, don't get me wrong on that. Um, but I think the magic... The Magic have been trying to have, I mean, this is the way I would describe it. The Magic have been trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yep. They've been trying to build a developing young team um, and and, and want to put those young players in positions where they can succeed and positions where, you know, they will, they they will contribute to, you know, a good team, a winning team, um, but also eventually grow into bigger roles. They've also been trying to maintain a spot in the playoffs. and, and, And I don't think you can, look at what the magic have done over the last three years without the context of the seven years before it, where they barely struggled to win 30 games and miss yeah. the playoffs year after year after year. And, you know, at times we're the laughing stock of the league. Um, and so I think a lot of the magic's motivations and this is management and ownership was let's just be competent again. You know, let's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll take the championship step eventually, but, Let's try and be competent and, and maintain a, a certain level of competency and see if we can grow from there. We tried the complete teardown. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the middle and grow from there. And, and I think they were making progress on that. And then the injuries hit. Jonathan Isaac's injury last year, I think, really slowed down the kind of moves and the kind it of- It was massive. Magic. Yeah, I, and this is not the torn ACL. This is the knee injury January 2020, January 1st, yep. 2020. Him missing that time- made the rest of that season kind of moot. They didn't really know what they were going to have in Jonathan Isaac. You know, they're kind of probably just going to wait for the beginning of the season. And COVID happens. He miraculously comes back. He's played really, really well, um, to, you know, especially considering how much time he so missed. Well. And then tore his ACL. And it's just like, well, now you're hitting pause again on a, on this project because, yes, Isaac is the central piece of this project right now. He's the only player on the team that has any elite skill. And so the Magic, you know, again, I, I, I agree with all the frustration about the Magic not making moves, but – They've been, they, they don't want to lose what they built and what they, you know, they, their, their goal was trying not to lose what they built um, and, and, and trying to make sure that they grow from a solid base when Isaac returns. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't want to, they didn't want to start over again. And, and I, I, I still don't think they're going to, but certainly a season like this is going to require some shifting and some movement that, that, that I understand that. To make. I understand that. Right. And I understand the, I think the culture of the team is healthier. I still think even in this position, it would be so easy to go out and just get blown out every night. And I think this team most nights is competing. Ironically, one of the things that Steve Clifford said was high on his agenda at the start of the season was to make sure we went out and started games better. And for a small period of time, when like the whole of the roster that was there at the start of the season was there, we were doing that. Then it's just regressed into the point that we really are coming out the gate slowly in, in matches, and, and that's not good enough. Let's take a break so I can tell you a little bit more about betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, and even golf are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I'm curious who they think the surprise guest at the end of WandaVision is going to be. I have my guess. Um, I, 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 I think it's going to be Magneto. I think, I think we're going to see, uh, what's it? Uh, we're we're going to see uh, Michael Fassbender. Maybe Sir Ian McKellen. Ooh, that would be fun. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Today's podcast is also brought to you by our pals at 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you a little bit more about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they are gone. We all know know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It is a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it has been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to make a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. Before we get back to our conversation with Stuart Hodge, uh, my, my dad and I are, 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 are trying to connect a little bit during these COVID times. We're playing a lot more daily fantasy. Uh, he's, he's trying to learn the NBA. I'm trying to teach him a little bit of the NBA, and, and he's trying to get a leg up on me. But I've got the ultimate secret on my side, and I'm willing to share that secret with all of you, just not with him. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important you have a reliable source. And more people trust Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast today, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. My other big concern uh, at the moment is 
now it feels like when we've done these discussions before phil it's been we've always kind of gone right do you know what they're right to be hedging their bets the one big move they made was getting Fultz for simmons and a second rounder right massive absolutely brilliant Fultz can potentially be a, a decent top 10 starting point guard in this league I, i'm sure of it even if the three doesn't come because he's so good at attacking the basket and helping to space the floor for everyone else and that is is a great piece of roster management to, to, to be able to pull that off. Now, what I look at in, in terms of every other one of these discussions we've had, we've always said, yeah, we understand it. We we understand that keeping Evan Fournier so that he can provide the score and see what we can maybe flip him for in his, in his final year if he opts in, which he did. We look at Vucevic. Now, I look at Nikola Vucevic right now. This is a guy who has given fantastic service to this franchise and who is now blossoming into the peak of his career. As every inch, if he doesn't make the All-Star game, then, I mean, to be honest, it's a travesty and it's really sad. But also, it will be an indictment in the market that he's playing in. Because I look at Nikola Vucevic right now and I'll see so many teams who are contenders who could do with a player like Nikola Vucevic. You look at the trade exception that the Celtics have got, could they maybe get a package together to get him? There's loads of teams that might be looking at him and saying, do you know what? We can make a move for him. And this is the point where, and it makes me sad because I love Vuce and I would love him to stay part of the magic. And I love Aaron Gordon. He's been robbed in two dunk contests. He's, he's, he's a player that I identify really strongly with. We've got two jerseys of his. I, I, I love Gordon. Um, you've got Terence Ross, who could definitely do a job adding a scoring punch from the bench for various teams that might want to contend. Fournier, even, you might be able to flip him for something. You look at all of these pieces in the magic, the more the more veteran pieces of the roster, I think you could even, despite his, his sort of relative youth, put Aaron Gordon in that bracket, given the number of years he's been in the league now. You look at these pieces, and up until this point, it's been like, let's stand pat, let's see what happens. This is going to be the time that the Magic need to make that decision of, right, are we going to become sellers now? What can we get? Because what you could end up with is you could end up, all of these players are on team-friendly contracts, right? So you could end up with a very, very disenfranchised Nikola Vucevic who just wants out. And the moment that he basically flips the board up, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to do that because he seems like more of a pro than that. But I see him getting more and more frustrated in-game now. I see him shouting at refs more, shouting at the opposition more. And it's just getting that bit more janky. And I'm thinking, Butch isn't happy. He's not happy at losing. He had a little taste of the playoffs. He wants more of that. And you don't want to get to the point where someone who's given you such great service and you part on bad terms. The Magic have been down that road before. We've had a big star go, yeah, do you know what? I want out. And then it's, it's gone ter terribly wrong for the franchise thereafter. So it now feels that we are at a point where the Magic front office are going to have their hand forced somewhat into making a decision because there's going to be offers come for Magic players before that trade deadline, that I'm sure of. And there's also going to be offers that will interest those Magic players before that trade deadline. And you don't want to end up with a roster that's full of players that are losing because there's not enough good stuff round about them when potential, always with this promise of, do you know what, next year it's going to be better. Because we've heard that, year after year after year. And I know injuries have played into that this year. I'm still optimistic about the future of many of the guys we've got out there. Cole Anthony, I think, will play well above where he was drafted. Fultz is going to be a decent point guard, as I say. Jonathan Isaac, if he avoids the injury trap 
and becoming just perennially injured is an elite defensive player, potential, definitely all NBA defense, potential defensive player of the year candidate, can defend all five positions, elite, elite defender. And the thing that encouraged in the bubble is he was his offensive side of his game was beginning to blossom a wee bit. Now, I look at all of this and I think, right, this is the time that the Magic are going to have to make the decisions. Are we going to trade Vooch? What signal then does that send if we do so? For me, I definitely think we should try and flip for something in the situation that we're in now. Terence Ross, I would love to keep because I think the human torch can be a part of this franchise moving forward. And I, I don't know whether he's going to want out if the, an offer comes for him, but he seems like someone that teams have definitely registered an interest in. Aaron Gordon, I want the magic to become winners with Aaron Gordon in the franchise, but are we limiting his potential? Because he looks like he can do little bits of everything, like when he's suddenly becoming the playmaker and the ball handler on the floor, and you're like, yeah, he can do this. He's a freak athlete. Sometimes he hits the three, three quite well, but he's not doing any of it consistently, and it's because his role is so mixed up, and it keeps changing all the time, depending on who's injured and what the team needs. So this feels the, like the point, I think, approaching this trade deadline where the Magic are going to have to stick or twist. There is now no middle ground. You can't keep just sitting in the middle ground. You've got to make a decision one way or the other. And what way or do you think they're going to make that? What would you do? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think all that is is well taken. Um, the frustration about the Magic kind of sticking with familiarity, especially over the last two seasons, uh, is is a really fair criticism of this front office. Um, you know, it's, it was very clear after last year that this team had kind of reached its ceiling. That that this group had done all it could do. They got to the first round. They got this team back to playoffs. They proved they're a playoff capable team uh, and a playoff capable roster. And so, you know, maybe you didn't need to do a complete overhaul, but you needed to be looking and, and be aggressive to try and find ways to improve the team. Uh, I do think the pandemic changed some of that calculus, at least for the last off season. Yeah, um, the fact that. The fact that, A, Jonathan Isaac was injured. Like I said, Jonathan Isaac being injured, like, put pause on everything because, like, now that the Magic have given the big contracts to both Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, that's the team's future. And mm -hmm. so, you know, less, less talking about um, which specific players or which specific moves the Magic could do, the real question the Magic need to be asking, it's a question they should have been asking last year, and, and especially now they need to be asking it with Evan Fournier getting set to hit free agency this summer, with... Isaac and Fultz's extensions kicking in next year. This team wants does not want to pay the luxury tax, nor should they. Um, I don't think it's necessarily important whether you know some people like to say this is this this team is bad. They shouldn't have the tenth highest payroll. That's not the issue. Having a high payroll is not a big deal. You just don't want to pay the tax. Um, what the position the Magic are in now is they've got to begin transitioning to the team's future. And that's what they should have done last summer. And, and again, I think the pandemic had a little bit to do with why they didn't end up doing that. Um, they tried to essentially, I, I think knowing how short training camp was going to be, how like sped up the season was going to be. I think the magic bet that if we maintain essentially the same roster, we do believe that this team can take a step up that, that the 2020 season wasn't representative of the progress that we made that if we, stick everything to, if we keep everything together, you know, hold it tight one more year, we can surprise some people. And then that will enable us to make the moves that we want to make to take that next step and, and, and look and become a better team. I mean, look at the Utah jazz, um, the Utah jazz, like the Orlando magic made very few moves this off season. And, you know, obviously the jazz are significantly better than the magic. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying the magic should be where the jazz are if they were healthy, but the jazz, I, 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 I mean, 
I think one of the reasons the Jazz raced out in front of everyone in the Western Conference and are playing maybe a little bit above their heads, and again, I'm not saying the Jazz are bad. They're a very, very good team, and I think they should be considered title contenders at this point. Um, but I think one of the reasons the Jazz raced out ahead is that's essentially the same group that played last year. They had a little bit of hunger from blowing the 3-1 series lead. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell had a real playoff experience. Um, you know, I think yep. there was... I think I think in order to make sure the whole thing came together, they really had to be on each other a little bit and and have some come to Jesus meetings to to get get things straightened out. And you know, Mike Conley now in the second year in that system has that, that was team a like, big point. Yeah, Mike Conley yeah, that, was a big move for them, and now that seems to be working because it yeah, didn't seem it to takes work time. Yeah. It takes time to learn a new to do new to learn new teammates, and essentially that's the same team as last year. Um, I think the Magic made the same bet, and again, they were six and two. They were starting to come back to earth a little bit, but that that the Magic were playing very, very well, and, and we're sort. Yeah. I mean, a health a healthy Magic team this year is making the playoffs in this Eastern Conference. Absolutely, uh, honestly, honestly, a healthy Magic team this year. I, I would, I, I am, I'm not. I don't think I'm going too far on a limb to say, if the Magic were healthy again, not including Jonathan Isaac, who knew was going to be out for the year, but if the Magic were healthy this year. I think that they would be competing for a six seed and to avoid the yeah. play in tournament entirely, uh, which absolutely. is the exact, which is the exact kind of step the magic we're looking for. But that's not the situation we're in. Obviously the question the magic faced last off season that they deferred to this, to this, to this point in time now, and it's especially sailing now because of what's happened this season and how the magic kind of fallen down the standings is the magic have to ask themselves, what kind of team do we want to be? What kind of players do we need to bring in to be the team that we envision to be the team that maximizes what you have in Jonathan Isaac, what you have in Markel Fultz, and to some extent, what you have in Nikola Vucevic, who's still your best player. How do we maximize the players that we care about and grow as a team? Those are the real questions you want to, you want to ask yourself. It's, it's not about what can we get for Evan Fournier or what well, maybe it is about that because he's an impending free agent. It's not about what can we get for Aaron Gordon or what can we get for Nikola Vucevic and just taking that deal. I said this throughout the offseason. I still believe this. Every move the Magic make should have purpose. Why yeah. are you making this move? Are you, I mean, again, Evan Fournier is kind of an exception because he's, uh, his contract's about to expire and you want to get something for him. But what you get for him still needs to help the team. Um, you, you still, you know, you're not just trading Serge Ibaka to the Raptors for Terrence Ross because you just want anything because you're starting over. For Evan Fournier, you got to get someone that's going to be able to contribute to this team moving forward. Um, you know, maybe a future asset that that you could keep in your back pocket, like a, a late first or early second round pick or something like that. But you need to make sure that you're getting something of value that can help your team moving forward. Otherwise, just let them walk. I mean, you're you're not you're not gaining it. You're, the only thing you're you're losing is the potential return on the salary cap. But on the salary cap, but then that's those seventeen million dollars get freed up anyway. It's the same deal with Aaron Gordon. And I think the, I mean, the Evan Fournier trade is, I think, get whatever you can get as long as it doesn't hurt you long-term. But yeah. if the Magic are going to be shopping Aaron Gordon, um, whether it's at the trade deadline or in the offseason, and, and I do think the clock is ticking because now do, is do probably you think, the time. Do you think they are? Yes. Oh, I, I, they were they were definitely shopping Aaron Gordon at last year's trade deadline. Um, I think the Jonathan Isaac injury kind of kept them from doing it, from pulling the trigger on it. I think that they, uh, from from everything that I've read and understand, you know, they, they were listening to offers for him and they just didn't get anything that they liked. What do you um, think? What do you think is a realistic return in terms of what they might be looking for? I, I think that they're probably looking for a, a wing player. Um, I don't think they're looking for another power forward. Um, I think they're looking for a wing player, preferably one who can shoot a little bit. 
um, you know, maybe a borderline starter. Um, I, 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 if they could get a borderline, I mean, they could get a borderline starter or, or, or like a comfortable, like fourth, fifth option starter and a, and a late first or, or like a, a protected first for Gordon. I think they've probably done a pretty good job. Um, you know, again, to, to me though, the important thing, does that player you're getting back again for a player who's really important on your team, does that player you're getting back help your team grow? And obviously like, Moving Aaron Gordon off the chessboard does two things. It gives Jonathan Isaac a more featured role in the starting lineup, most likely, and it gives you a little bit more time to develop and play Chuma Okiki. So there is purpose behind an Aaron Gordon trade, but you, beyond just who you're bringing back. So that's why it's okay saying, you know, I, I'm willing to trade my probably third best player, my third leading scorer for a guy who's a fourth, fifth option and a first round pick. Because what I'm really doing there is I'm freeing up time for other guys that I care about on the roster, and I'm bringing in someone that's going to help me pretty quickly and pretty immediately. Um, you know, Nikola Vucic, I, I, I think that the, the question's a little bit more different on Nikola Vucic, but I think the Magic will listen to all offers. Um, you know, I don't think they're in a position right now where they can ignore any offer that's given to given to them or presented to them. Are we um, sellers, per se? I think that the, I, so I think that the Magic are sellers. Um, I think they'll be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, I think that's a position that they weren't in uh, last uh, during the offseason. I think in the offseason, yeah. they were trying to, Trying to push and trying to, to add pieces to the team to make them a little bit better, uh, and I don't. And I think the market looked at the Magic and was like, "Nah, we're, we're not giving you. We're not giving you a star player for Aaron Gordon. That that's not happening. You know, you're you're not going to be able to upgrade like that." Um, and I think again, I think that's another reason why the Magic ultimately decided to kind of stick with familiarity. It wasn't just strategic to to help the season be good, but I think it was also a reality of the market because you know you look at some of the deals that were made. A lot of the deals that were made involve future draft picks and very few players coming your way or very few useful players coming your way. I mean, I've had a few people say, you know, one of the deals that was reportedly offered for Aaron Gordon was uh, Portland offering Trevor Ariza and the uh, 16th pick in the draft or the 17th pick in the draft. And to me, that wasn't good enough because Trevor Ariza is not going to play. And and I'm not super interested in the 17th pick in the draft, especially yep. in, in last year's draft. Um, and so, so I, I think those were the kind of deals that were being slung around and the magic, the magic weren't interested in draft picks. I mean, I, I know a lot of people want to hit the hard reset and just go super young and all these draft picks. That's not that, that's not how this front office operates, and I don't think that's what this front office wants. I mean, I think the magic are looking at this team, knowing we were right. You know, we're we're, we're in the playoff race. It's it's still our spot that someone has to take from us, and the only reason we're not in the playoff race right now is because of injuries. So if we if we reset the board a little bit, you know, maybe move one or two pieces, we bring back Jonathan Isaac, we bring back Markel Fultz, Nikola Vucevic, if this is a new normal for Nikola Vucevic, we bring him back. And all of a sudden you're looking like you got a pretty solid team, pretty, you know, talented team already that can make another run for the playoffs where you haven't lost that much ground. You maybe you've moved some chess pieces around, but you're still in the game. I don't think the Magic want to be out of the game. I think the Magic, and, and, and on top of that, you're adding probably one of the top picks in this year's draft, which is which is a pretty loaded draft. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I think the magic the magic are gonna are gonna be sellers. I think they'll they'll be willing to sell off some players, um, but I still think they're gonna enter thinking we're not out of the playoffs. This is a detour. This is not a stop. We're not gonna be here two three years again. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. be back I, in the playoffs next year. And I, I think I think that's the right way to be thinking because injuries are a massive part to do it. Before I move on to my next question, quick yes or no answer. Is it inevitable that Aaron Gordon leaves the Magic in the next couple of, like, next year or so? 
Yes, I, I don't. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll get a new contract after 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 okay. uh, his contract expires. And and again, the salary cap reality is, Jonathan Isaac was getting paid seven million dollars. That's about to bump up to what fifteen, sixteen. Marco Fultz was getting paid ten, eleven million dollars. That's about to get bumped up to fifteen. Magic are about two million dollars under their luxury tax right now. They can't afford everybody, um, especially if they want to avoid the tax. My thanks to Stuart Hodge for joining us for the podcast. This is the first part of the conversation. Part two will come tomorrow afternoon. So we'll have a recap of the Magic's game against Golden State Warriors, plus the last half of this conversation, all before the Magic take on the Sacramento Kings at 10 o'clock on Friday. So be sure to uh, get some late listens uh, to Locked on Magic. I appreciate everyone as I live on West Coast time here for a little bit. But that's going to do it for me. You can follow Stuart Hodge on Twitter at HodgeTheHack, H-O-D-G-E-Y-T-H-E-H-A-C-K. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Get your tune in to Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the, place, all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com and follow us on Twitter at OMagicDaily for complete coverage of tonight's game against the Golden State Warriors plus the rest of the road trip. I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Lockdown Magic, this is the Phil Crawford. We'll see you all again for another episode of Lockdown. This podcast has been brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings and available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. This exciting collection of truly unique limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com.